ends, right? The goal is the goal is to be hearers of the word and doers, right? We have to both of those things. We have to be able to hear it, understand it, and then apply it. So uh, that's I, I, I love getting into the word. I love having uh, something for me. I need an instruction manual. I'm a man that will in, uh, you know admit that. Uh, I don't try to build anything uh, without an instruction manual. So uh, I'm, I'm so blessed that we have uh, the scriptures that are alive and powerful uh, to you know, correct us, to direct us, to, to help us with uh, with our lives, to comfort us, to give us peace. Uh, there's there's so much in the Word uh, that that we can just be benefited by, be built up, edified, right? So it's a blessing to be in the Word together. So we left off, we finished chapter 8 of Romans, and we're picking up uh, in verse 1 of chapter 9. That's our practice here, where we leave off, we pick up. And we're working our way through. Uh, it was a blessing on uh, last Sunday night. We hit Psalm 100, which was pretty cool. So we've we've now gone through 101 Psalms. Uh, we're in uh, we're in Leviticus five, I think. Um, yes, yes, we're in Leviticus five, uh, and here we are. We've gone from John chapter one all the way through the book of John, all the way through Acts together, and now we're in uh, now starting the ninth chapter of Romans. You know, we we've that's that's a lot of, of meat to cover, brothers and sisters. This is this is how we grow, right? Is by being in fellowship, the breaking of bread, which you know we're going to do after this, in prayers and uh, and in the doctrine, the, the doctrine of of the uh, the apostles, the Bible. We're spending time in the Word. When we do those 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 four things, when we incorporate all of those four spiritual food groups into our lives, we grow. Right, and the the Lord added to the church daily. Right, the the focus here, yes, I, I would love every one of these seats to be filled with people that, that their lives have been changed by uh, the grace of God. Absolutely, but for any of us that are here, the, the the goal is right for us all to grow. That there would be spiritual growth. That we're not staying in the same point. Like, hey, I just slid under the tag and I'm safe. Right, I'm saved, so I'm good. Everything's all set. No, it's growing. Growing in our relationship, enjoying the Lord's presence in our lives, enjoying uh, knowing Him and understanding His Word and how powerful it is in our lives, applying it and then ministering to others, right? There's that growth that's happening. So it's a blessing uh, for us uh, to be in these things. Now, now, that's guys, that's just through the main uh, the main studies here. But if you consider the, the men's study, the women's study, the way of escape, uh, the Word is going out and changing lives and building us. And God is so faithful to us. Oh, he's so awesome. So we get to study his word tonight, by his, uh, this morning, uh, by his grace and his mercy. So chapter 9, uh, now these, these next three chapters uh, deal uh, with Israel. And, uh, and Paul is shifting gifts here, the, uh, shifting gears here. Uh, the emphasis here is on Israel's past election, and we're going to talk about that. Next week we'll get into it in chapter 10 with uh, their, uh, their present in that time, their present rejection of the Lord. And uh, chapter 11, Israel's future restoration. So uh, those three, uh, as, as we go through, and we can see ourselves in these when we reflect and we look at uh, Israel being used as an example here. But if we're being honest, we can look at those things and go, yeah, you could probably fit me in that category a couple times in my life. And hopefully not right now, but if it's right now, then this is the time to repent, right? And, and uh, get right with the Lord. So uh, chapter 9, uh, verse 1 says, I tell the truth in Christ. I am not lying, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit, that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. 
For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen according to the flesh, who are Israelites to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises, of whom are the fathers and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the eternally blessed God. Amen. So here we see the writer Paul bearing his soul. I mean, when, when he says in here, in verse 1, where he says, I speak the truth and I am not lying, my conscience also bearing Whitney, witness uh, in the Holy, bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. He's speaking the truth. He's not lying, right? We've talked about lying, uh, that, that Christians are called to be people that our yes is yes and our no is no. So if somebody wants to accuse him of lying, oh, oh Paul's just saying that. He doesn't really mean it. No, Paul is for anybody who might question that, especially back in the day, because Paul was considered a traitor amongst the, amongst uh, the, his fellow Jews. Uh, so he, what he's trying to do is make the point clear. This is my heart. This is deep down, and, and I'm not lying. He's saying uh, that he, he has uh, he, he's got a great sorrow, as he says in verse 2, uh, continual grief within his heart. So, uh, you know, Paul is, is uh, he's bearing his soul so much here that he says that he wishes he would be a curse from Christ for Israel that, that has rejected its Savior. I mean, uh, if, if you want to know the true heart of a shepherd, go and read John chapter 10. And you'll understand Jesus Christ identifies himself as the good shepherd. And you can look at Jesus's life and how he ministered and understand there's no greater shepherd that's ever lived than Jesus Christ. Paul learned from Jesus Christ. He's had his life totally changed by, by that encounter on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. Paul's life was changed. He met the shepherd. And the shepherd changed his heart, and the shepherd molded his heart into a uh, into being a shepherd himself. Because remember, when he was on the road to Damascus, what was he going to do? Kill Christians. Paul hated Jesus Christ. So what happens in a man's life where he hates the name of Jesus so much that he's persecuting and he's getting the permission he wants? You know, it's it's been told that uh, that Paul's a little man, but he wanted a lot of power, right? And he's got that power. He's on the road to Damascus. He can take people and even says that he caused people to blaspheme the name of Christ. Right. This man is now saying that he wished he would even be accursed from Christ for uh, for his his countrymen, those that are, are Jews. He's got the true heart of a shepherd now. If you remember when uh, Moses, when Israel sinned. You know, we studied this uh, in, in Exodus uh, as we were uh, going through our study. And when Israel had, had sinned, Moses prayed to the Lord for mercy. Because God's like, all right, step aside. I'm going to wipe. This is John paraphrasing, right? But you know, they're gonna, I'm going to wipe them all out. And then what does Moses do? He asks for his own name to be blotted out of the book of remembrance, right? You remember that? If you don't, go ahead and look it up. That's a true, the heart of a true shepherd. Now, Moses was a shepherd for his father-in-law, so he understood what it meant. And when he saw how God shepherded his own heart and how God shepherded the people as he led them out of Egypt, you know, there's so many examples for him to learn from. And his heart was the same. Lord, let me, be, let me bear the guilt that they might be able to, 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 to live. And well, there's no greater example than Christ, right? 
So the burden here is that these these people would come to know Christ. You know, this is a self-sacrificing love that only comes from the Holy Spirit. For somebody to declare something, in writing, right? I mean, Paul wrote this down in a letter and sent it out. And he's saying, if it meant that I would be a curse from Christ, that all these people would be saved, he's like, I, I wish I could. I can tell you I love you guys, but I don't want to be a curse from Christ, <laughs> right? Think of that, right? Think of that, how much that means, how powerful that is. To, that, that Paul, what, what Paul is saying here. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 11, that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And then he demonstrated that. Paul knew that. Paul learned from that. And he's of the same mind here. Now, this is the same Paul that used to hate the Jews, right? Uh, you know, he, he, he uh, sorry, he, sorry, he, he was a Jew uh, and hated the name of Jesus is what I meant to say. This is a man that hated Christians, hated them. So much so, like we just talked about, he's on the road with title in hand, with the, with the orders in hand, you know, giving him the authority to arrest Christians, to persecute Christians, hated Christians. How does this change happen in, in, in a man or woman's life? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit drawing you, bringing to your knees, pointing you to Jesus Christ. And once we come to that point of Christ, we come to and we submit our lives to him, that's where our lives change. This man went from Christian murderer to being murdered for his faith. That only comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way that's going to happen in our lives. This man had submitted to the Lordship of Christ, called himself a bond servant of Christ. I'm the lowest of servants. I'm the lowest. Now to go from persecuting to uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And everything changed forever the day that we know of is in Acts chapter 9. Everything changed forever for Paul. And the course of history changed in Acts chapter 9. I mean, we could look at so many pivotal points within the scripture, but that was definitely uh, a point that, uh, that things changed uh, over the whole course of, of human history since then. Paul experienced great pain and suffering. So once he, he uh, at the hands of the Jews, the ones that he's saying he wished that he could be a curse from Christ for, those same Jews, after he became a Christian, hated him so much that they were trying to kill him, right? People are like his, his new friends, the disciples that he was, he was once trying to find, they're like letting him down in the basket, trying to save him. They're, they're, they're helping him escape because the Jews are after him to kill him. You know, he, he, he explains he was, you know, stoned, beaten, uh, you know, he was he spent time in the deep. You know, all these things because he was, uh, he was following Christ. A night and a day, treading water in, in, in the ocean? Uh-uh. Not for me. I've watched way too many shark things, right? He did all these things as part of his service for the Lord. The Lord said he was going to suffer. He's going to suffer many things for his name. But then he was going to proclaim his name to kings from a man that was getting permission to go persecute Christians, now he's saying, no, I just wish, you know, if I could even just be accursed, that they could live. But he doesn't have anger or resentment. He's actually saying, I wish that I could be accursed, that they might come to life. We can learn a lesson from that. People that have wronged us, things that have happened to us in our lives, we can, be, uh, we can learn a lesson there. From the Holy Spirit, when we listen to the Holy Spirit telling us, you need to forgive that person. But you don't know what they did, Lord. No, he does. That's where we become free. 
Otherwise, we're bound. We're bound. And 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 that hate just see it just just see see whatever it boils up right. That hate just stays there, ruins our lives. Paul, because he's filled by the Holy Spirit, is demonstrating the evidence of the Holy Spirit. Fruits of the Spirit. First one mentioned love. <laughs> he's he's demonstrating it right here. So much love that he'd lay down his own life for them. So now he's so burdened for them to come to truth. His desire uh, has become so that you know, for them to do so, to come to that truth, that he would be a curse for them. He's demonstrating the character and love of his master, of Jesus Christ. Remember when Jesus called out, he said, Jerusalem, I love, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. I, he just wanted to gather them like a hen does its chicks, but they weren't willing. You know, Paul is, is describing this rejection. Now, if you look at the very end of verse 5, it says, Whom the fathers and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the eternally blessed God. So that eternally blessed God is Jesus Christ. It just says it right there. I've heard from many that say, Jesus Christ never declared to be God. Guys, I have a whole, I've got on my phone, I've got a, you know, a note. Uh, and that note is, I can just keep going like this. For all the times I've found scripture that declares that Jesus Christ is God. Here's one of them that's, that's on that list. If you ever need those things, if you ever find yourself in a conversation with somebody and, and some of the biblical truths that you know are true because they're in here, write it down and have it right. No, 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 no. Hold on. I, I've got this. And you can go right through and share. Be able to share. You know, you, you may have a cult knock on your door. And the first thing you're going to want to do, the first question you should have for them is, who is Jesus Christ? Who is he? Who, because if he's anything other or anyone other than what, you, what the Bible declares and what I know to be true, have a nice day. I hope you come to know him. And you can share a few scriptures with him and have a nice day and shut the door. Don't even invite him in, the scriptures say. We can just share. Who is Jesus Christ? Paul is saying here that he actually came to them in the flesh. It says, of whom are the fathers and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the eternally blessed God. That's Paul declaring that Jesus Christ is God. There's, uh, there's no question for us when we look at certain scriptures like that and go, Who's, who is Jesus Christ? Paul just declared he is God. When you, when you consider things like, you know, Jesus didn't correct Thomas. He didn't tell Tom. When, remember when they call him Doubting Thomas, right? Uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, much of the church likes to remember people for their biggest failures, right? Oh, he's Doubting Thomas. You know, or they'll talk about Peter. Oh, the, the guy who denied Jesus. I'm like, is that all you remember from that dude? Because remember, it wasn't very short, you know, very long after. And in the book of Acts, he's preaching and 3,000 people come to faith in Jesus Christ. Yes, he denied the Lord, but he was restored three times, right? We like to hold on to those things, right? Imagine, you know, our lowest point in life being what everybody remembers us for. That's, ugh, that'll turn your stomach right there. God is so good, so good to restore, right? Paul has the Holy Spirit within him. He's therefore filled with love. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 says this, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Paul was, was displaying this type of love 
for Israel. Those ones that had persecuted him, now he's saying, you know what, if I, if I could make the trade, I would. Look at how many people would be saved, right? How many times have you ever been a part of something as a Christian, anybody who's been walking with the Lord and you're ministering? You're like, if one person comes to faith, right? Remember Punky saying that about, uh, uh, and, and many of us said it, but I, for some reason, remember the conversation with Punky. He's like, if one person hears the gospel and comes to faith through praise in the park, you know, just if one person, it's all worth it. One person's eternity is changed because of the gospel, right? So Paul has a great sorrow and continual grief in his heart. He's burdened heavily for the lost countrymen uh, to be saved. His heart is broken uh, for the loss, his brethren. You know, when you consider, he says, the brethren, the countrymen, according to the flesh, uh, the Israelites that don't believe, those uh, that claim to know God, but they don't know God. That's the, that was the problem with them, is, is they claimed to be God's children, but they rejected Jesus Christ. We saw it so many times the Lord confronting the religious leaders that are teaching those things. Isaiah 23 verse 19 says, Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. John chapter 1 verse 11, it says, He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. These people did not, they didn't recognize the Savior when he came because they didn't understand those scriptures that point to the suffering Savior, Psalm 22. Go ahead and read that. That'll get you to a point where like, oh my goodness. You know, turn to Isaiah 53 and you see, oh, that's what the Savior was supposed to do. Okay, they didn't recognize him. And consider, Paul mentions a bunch of things here. He says they have so much to benefit for. But they're blind to it. And they flat out rejected him. Paul says they had the adoption. You know, God made them his special people. The glory. They witnessed the Shekinah glory of God, you know, cover uh, over the tabernacle in the cloud. We're, we're studying that uh, in our Wednesday night study. The covenants, the agreements that God had made with their forefathers. The giving of the law. The law uh, that came from God to Moses. Moses came and, and down and delivered the law. They had service to God. God had established a priesthood in Israel to serve him. Promises from God. They had, they had uh, think of the wonderful promises God gave them. That he's going to even make them a nation. That he's going to give them their own land. That they're, they're going to be free. That land's going to have, it's going to flow with milk and honey. The blessings, those, those promises from God. The biggest one, that he would be their God and that he, they would be his people. That's, that's the best promise that they ever received. That he would save them, but they missed that one. Then he goes and he mentions the fathers, the patriarchs, and there are many to learn from. Then he mentions Christ himself, and we looked at that just uh, very briefly, and we'll dive into it a little bit more here. The Christ came from them according to the flesh. And according to the Jewish scriptures that were fulfilled, and we've talked about uh, you know, over 300 scriptures pointing to uh, the, uh, the Messiah, that Jesus Christ has fulfilled every single one of them. But they, didn't, they missed it. There were some of these scriptures fulfilled within their hearing. You remember that? I'm gonna, it's going to come up here. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 through 21 says, the Spirit, This is Jesus reading. 
And he's, he's, he's reading to a bunch of religious leaders around him. And it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. They actually were there. Imagine being there like, hey, yeah, I was at that Bible study. I remember that. Right? They actually got to see scripture being fulfilled in a, in a, in a uh, time when the scriptures are just being read. That Jesus Christ, I mean, they, they, all throughout Jesus' ministry, they got to see those things. But imagine being there in that synagogue that day and remembering that Jesus declared that that scripture about the, the coming Messiah was fulfilled in their hearing within that day. He is overall the eternally blessed God. He declared it many times. Like I said, he didn't correct Thomas. Paul is plain, you know, plainly describing it here that he is God in the flesh. So Israel had all these things that Paul just, just listed there that pointed to Christ, but they didn't accept him. That was the problem. They had all these things available to them, but they, they, they rejected him. You know, they consider the rebellion within our hearts. We can see ourselves, I think, if we look in a mirror, that, that we were once in that point, saying, you know what? I know all these things are true. I just don't want to accept it because I'm not done sinning yet. I've actually heard people, or I've, I've witnessed that, and I've actually heard people say, say hey, you know what? I'm just not done sinning yet. I'm not done sinning yet. When are we going to be done? <laughs> I'm not done, you know, causing scars, you know, for my life. And, and I'm not done doing things I'm greatly going to regret. I still need to go through those and, you know, get some fulfillment, right? That's essentially what we're saying. Consider those that have grown up in the church and are now prodigal. They've come to a point of, of just walking away. You know, forgetting the goodness of God and saying, well, this is more important, right? We need to be loving them, praying for them. If that's us, repent this morning. Close your eyes and pray to the Lord right now as I'm talking and go back to Him. We'll pray after church too. Show the love of Christ in our lives and in our words and pray that God helps us to win them over. And we're going to do it with a genuineness of heart, right? We can't just be like, ah! Just barking scriptures at people, hoping they, you know, hoping they're gonna, you know, get to the point where they're, oh yeah, you're right, you know. But when we lovingly minister and they see uh, Christ in our lives, in our, and they hear Him in our words, that's when people understand that person's genuine. I need to listen to them. You know what they have to say is going to benefit me. They had Paul begging, "Would you please listen? Please listen." <clears throat> Verse six. But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect. For they are not all Israel who are of Israel. Nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be called. That is, those that are children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted as the seed. For this is the promise. At this time, the word of promise, at this time I will come and Sarah will have a son. 
You know, what we're moving into now is, is a description of Israel's rejection. And we see God's purpose uh, being uh, introduced here also by Paul. But just like it says in Romans chapter 2 weeks ago when we studied in there, you know, we're, we're, Paul's explaining you're not a Jew who is one outwardly, but one who keeps the word of God and is one inwardly. That's the difference. So he's, he's already laid this foundation so the reader would understand what he's saying here. Right? And, but he's pointing out an unpopular truth uh, of Israel's rejection of God. You know, they believed uh, in their lineage to make them sons of God. And, and Paul is just saying, yeah, guess what? Not according to the word of God. It's not the, not, not the case at all. You know, for us, we may look at it and, and you know, I was born into a, a Christian home or for me, I, I was born into a Catholic home, uh, you know, or, you know, my parents went to church. I was baptized as a baby. Like none of that matters. <laughs> none of it matters at all. None of it matters, right? Because we, 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 uh, we already read that scripture um, from Isaiah 29 saying, you know, we, we may draw near to the Lord with our hearts, but our, our, with our lips, but our hearts are far from him. You know, where we've rejected him in our lives. We may say the right things and do, you know, well, you know what? I said a prayer when I was like four and then I've totally rejected the Lord and lived the way I wanted to. I hope I'm saved. That's the dumbest thing, right? <laughs> I, can, I can put myself right in that category. I said this, I did that. I, hopefully I'm good. Guys, it's eternal. <laughs> and I'm not, please don't, I'm not yelling at you, okay? I, I realize I got loud there. But these things are eternal. They, they determine our eternal destiny, uh, 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 direction. Yeah, the word I'm thinking of. Th this isn't something, that, so if we, if we know people that are just messing around with us, like, I think I got saved, once saved, always saved. And I, you know, well, okay, do you want to live your life under the question mark or an exclamation point? Saved or saved, right? What are we going to do? One or the other. You know, and it, not that our salvation really has anything to do with us. All we have to do is believe in our heart and confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus. And we're saved, the scriptures say. But how are we going to live our lives? You know, when you consider James tells us that faith without works is dead. Do we really have faith if we don't have any outward display of our faith? Those are important things for us. We have to, we, those things need to be evident within our lives. So they were so convinced that because they were born of the line of Abraham, they were saved. The problem is, is Abraham also fathered Ishmael, right? And we're going to get into that here. And what Paul is, is writing here is that Abraham had two sons. Ishmael was born of the works of the flesh, right? God had promised, yes, you're going to have a son and I'm going to, you know, you, you, your descendants are going to be as the stars in the sky, sand of the sea. You have all, this is all going to happen through your seed. And then Abraham, when this didn't happen in his timing, he listened to the voice of his wife saying, take Hagar, my maidservant. Have a son with her. That'll be my son. Lord, Lord meets up with them after that happened. You know, they, uh, they tried to make God's will happen according to their will and according to their flesh. And God told him, no, and you know, you're in, uh, sorry, uh, I got to find the scripture here. Sarah, your wife, will bear a son. And we'll get to that here in just a moment. Sarah, your wife, will bear a son. Isaac uh, was born of the work of God. So Ishmael, born of the works of the flesh. Isaac was, bo was born of the works of God. 99 years old. This man's like, oh, got to be a dad, 
All right, get the diapers out and you get ready. 99, that's a little bit old, right? Sarah's womb was considered dead at 90. You know, God had a work to do. God chose to work through Isaac. It says, nor, and if you consider what Paul just wrote in verse 7, it says, nor are they all children because they are, uh, they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be called. In Isaac your seed shall be called. Isaac was the son of promise, not Ishmael. Ishmael was blessed, and the Lord promised uh, Abraham that, that he would bless Ishmael. But the son of the promise, the promise meant that, that, the, that the plan for redemption was going to be carried out through Isaac and not Ishmael. God has the choice to make, the, the power to make those choices. Genesis chapter 17, verses 18 to 19 says, And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And God said, No, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son. And you shall call his name Isaac and establish my covenant with him uh, for an everlasting, I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. So when God, God is again talking to Abraham, he's like, no, 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 no. You think it's Ishmael, the, the, the child of the work of your flesh. No, your wife, Sarah, is going to bear a child and that child is going to be the one that the promise is going to come through. Isaac is the one that God chose. Israel, like I said, was made into a great nation, but the promise came uh, through Isaac. Genesis 21.12 says, In Isaac your seed shall be called. And in fact, when you get to Genesis 22, when the Lord's testing Abraham's faith, it says, Take your son, your only son, Isaac. Your only son, Isaac. Ishmael's son, yes. The one recognized by the Lord was Isaac. It's important for us to understand here where he starts talking about election, where he starts talking about God's uh, chosen. Paul isn't addressing personal predestination at this point. He's talking about God's sovereignty to choose and manage the nations to bring them all in subjection to him. For his gospel to be uh, preached through, that, that re the redemptive plan of God would come through. So as we're studying this, remember that, okay? We're talking about nations and, and God's choice and what he did. Verse 10. And not only this, but when Rebekah, so he, he established, okay, so out of Abraham, there was Ishmael and Isaac. Isaac was the chosen one. Isaac's wife's name was Rebekah. And now we're going to see Jacob and, and Esau. Uh, just We're going to study them also. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, who we just studied, right? For the children not yet being born, nor having done good or evil, that the purpose of God according to the election might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. It was said to her, the older shall serve the younger, as it was written. Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. So there's nothing to study there where it says hated. We're going to keep reading. Just joking. So uh, I know every one of us is like, what? This says God hated somebody. What is going on here, right? So before we get to that, Isaac, right? Abraham's uh, and, and, and Sarah's son and uh, is 
so uh, we already saw that the promise was was through Isaac, and you can go back and read in Genesis all those, and, and, and you'd be blessed to do so. Uh, but for the purposes of our study, we've covered what we needed to, and now as we continue through Isaac's lineage, we see that he married a woman named Rebecca, and he had two twin sons, Esau and Jacob. So God chose to, even further down the line, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, right? How many times in the scriptures does it say, our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? So God chose for his plan of redemption to come from through Abraham, then to Isaac, and now to Jacob, uh, his other son. But, you know, both Isaac and Jacob were the second born. So they, they, were, they weren't the firstborn, but God still chose them for his plan according to the will of God. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 and 8 say that, 6 through 8 say this. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for yourself. Uh, for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of the people, of all peoples. But because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out of out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Where it says here, the Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself. And it says, because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers. God had a plan, he revealed the plan, and he stayed true to the plan. God told Rebekah that the older shall serve the younger. Uh, and, and, it, and it says here, that, uh, as it is written, uh, Jacob I have loved, Esau I have hated. Loved and hated you know, could be accepted and rejected. Uh, that, that God had his own plan in place. Now consider, what did Jesus say? You know, unless a man hates his mother, his father, and those things, uh, he, can, he can't love me, right? There's a comparison. We should look at it that way, okay? This isn't saying that, that God just, he did hate the, the works of Esau because Esau was a fleshly man, traded off his birthright for a bowl of stew, right? You know, that, that, that mindset is something that God hates, that he would do that. But understand, you know, when we look at it, we may struggle. Some people may struggle with that word. You've got to dive into it a little bit. When it can be, when, when you can look at that and accept it and reject it, you know, Esau became blessed, but he also, be, you know, they became the, the children of Edom and they became a, uh, uh, an enemy of Israel. You can see in Numbers chapter 20, if you're reading in there, that, the, that Israel asked permission to pass through and they denied them permission to pass through their land. They're like, look, we're not going to touch anything. We won't eat anything. Like, we just want to pass through. We want to pass safely through here. Can we do that? And they were told no. There's a struggle here, you know, when you consider a, uh, you know, when, when I look at this, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to, to look at. But when you consider Jacob and Esau, you can't look at Jacob and go, hey, that's a great guy, right? He was a deceiver. He's a liar. Deceived his dad, lied to people. You know, the real miracle is that God would love Jacob, right? Consider that, right? You know, Esau, Esau was an earthly, fleshly man. But man, Jacob was, you know, when his name's Heel Snatcher, hey, what's your name? You're in class, and you know, oh, this is my name. It means, you know, bright and shining sun. And, you know, another one might be like strong trees of, you know, blowing trees or whatever. What's your name? I'm the one that's going to trip you up. That's me. 
You know, that's a, you know, and God changed his name, right? To governed by God, Israel. No longer will you be called Jacob. Your name will be called uh, Israel. So what's being described here is God chose uh, to work through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, according to his will, what God wants to do. Verse 14. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. So then, it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. So he's quoting there Exodus chapter 33. Uh, Moses was asking God to show him his glory. And uh, the Lord uh, has a discussion with him, and he says, my goodness is going to pass before you. But, but when you consider here, you know, where the Lord says, I'll have mercy on whomever I want, uh, whomever I will have mercy and I'll have compassion on whomever I'll have compassion. Um, you know, the fact that God's uh, merciful at all is a miracle, right? Under, we, we need to understand that God's mercy is not, we don't deserve God's mercy at all. We don't, you know, it, it, that, that's why it's called mercy, right? Like, yes, you can, you can rightfully do, you know, whatever you want. But it's a wonder in and of itself. You know, when, when we consider mercy, you know, it's not like we can demand the mercy of God. God, you must be merciful to me, right? No, but that's not how it works, right? It's not. You know, if you consider the parable that, that Jesus spoke of the tax collector and, uh, and the Pharisee, right? The Pharisee boasting in, in everything that he does, all the religious things that he does. And then the tax collector's like pounding on his chest and he's bawling his eyes out. And he says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He's begging God. The other one's saying, God, oh, you're really blessed to have me, aren't you? You know, I mean, you must be bragging me up to, you know, everybody in heaven because I'm quite the catch. You know, the one that properly understood God and his mercy was on his face before the Lord. You know, when, when the, uh, the, the Pharisee can stand there and go, God, thank you that I'm not like this guy. I tithe, I, I give, I, I pray, I, I do all these religious things. And then the guy that's broken in front of the Lord is the one that Jesus said went, went away justified. Yeah, we don't deserve God's mercy. We don't deserve it. We can't demand it. We just need to understand that God's ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts. We just need to trust him, knowing that he is merciful and that he's trustworthy. I heard a, I, I read a quote from Warren Wearsby. He said, he's never less than fair for anyone, but has the right to be more than fair if he chooses. So he's ne we're never getting a raw deal from God. We're either getting what we deserve uh, or, or we're, we're getting more. Uh, than than uh, what we deserve. Then we start experiencing God's grace. But he says that he uh, he's never less than fair for anyone, but has the right to be more than fair if he chooses. Matthew chapter twenty, Jesus is uh, telling the parable of a landowner, and uh, all receive the same pay. If you're not familiar with it, uh, you know there are those that were hired in the middle of the day for a set wage. And then they got some that were kind of coming throughout the day. Everybody was promised the same wage. At the end of the day, when everybody's getting paid, Jesus is explaining that, uh, that uh, he has to set something straight, that the landowner had to set something straight. Because those that worked all day were like, hey, we've been here longer than them. You know, if we were promised 100 bucks a day, and these guys that just showed up an hour ago, they're getting 100 bucks a day, something's wrong there. 
and look at Jesus' response uh, in Matthew 20, verses 14 and 15. says, Take what is yours and go away. I wish to give this last man the same as you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? Right? That's the problem, right? So when you look at anything, when we, when we, it, it, God is not obligated to show us mercy or compassion. He'll show mercy and compassion as he, as he sees fit. Guys, I would rest my faith and trust on God's mercy and his compassion over anybody else's. Anybody else's. David would too. You guys remember that? We'll get to that here in a moment. But he's not obligated. The real wonder about mercy and compassion is that he shows it to us at all. So when we're reading through these things, and some of these things don't make sense, just understand it's most likely going to be a problem of our heart if we're in disagreement with God. Actually, it would be 100% of the time, but yeah. But we don't like to admit that. So, But if you consider the ones that are often left discontent are the prideful ones that think they're better or deserve more than someone else, Right? Even if they come in the 11th hour, right? Those saved in the 11th hour. We can't be like, well, I lived you know, 25 years for the Lord, and I lived 25 minutes for the Lord. Oh, I'm going to get more of a blessing than you. I deserve it. <laughs> no, no. Jesus just said, no, it's the wickedness of your heart that needs to be taken care of. We should be rejoicing when someone comes to the Lord. And what are we hoping to get there and have like our name on a building? At, you know, hey, oh, hey, it's the John C. or whatever foundation. No, that's only here because people give a lot of money for it, right? They're like, oh, cool. Yeah, he said he'd give us $25 million if we put his name on the building. Sure, let's do it. You know, <laughs> they can do what they want to do then. That's how, that's how this world works. Verse 17, for the scripture says to the Pharaoh... For this very reason, I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Therefore, he has mercy on whom he wills, and whom he wills, he hardens. You will say to me, then, uh, why does he still find fault? For who has resisted his will? So Paul is ready for these. What he's saying is like, okay, so you're going to say this. I'm just going to explain it right now. And uh, Paul will, will bring up the question uh, for those that are going to question him. Uh, so he just he's, he just says, you guys, I'm prepared for it uh, in, in his writing. So God chose to use Pharaoh to glorify himself. We saw that in our study. And we discussed uh, this, even the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh's heart was already hard. God allowed him to go in the direction he wanted to go with his hard heart. And he went all the way with it uh, until he died. Both the, when we consider both the sovereignty of God and, and the freedom of, uh, of, of man uh, are, are clearly taught in the scripture. We see this here. God is, is, is saying, I chose, I chose, I chose. But we also see the freedom of man in, in areas, right? And I've, I've talked about this. I'll be very brief with this. We can, we can see both of them. But I can't negate, you know, some will say, well, this is about personal salvation, what about personal salvation? Only those, you know, why are you even preaching? I've actually heard, I listened to Joe Fosh teach on this uh, this week. I'm just kind of buzzing around the house. I got this. They were actually, I had it in my earbuds there. Uh, they, they were actually rebuked for like having an altar call. Why would you have an altar call? You know, if, if God, because the, those that cling to only Calvinism are going to sit there and say, well, they're going to come whether, they, you know, they, uh, 
you know, they have, they don't even have a choice. It's God's sovereignty that reigns. But then you can see other scriptures where Jesus is saying, go out into the world and make disciples of all nations. He didn't say, hey, I'm going to just bring a bunch to you, and those are the only ones you got to worry about. He's talking about going and preaching. And those that, you know, some are going to respond, some aren't. Right? Where, where does this church stand? Right in the middle. Yes? God is, if, if God wasn't sovereign, then he's not God. Okay? He is sovereign. He is the one. He doesn't, uh, you know, ask uh, any of us permission to do everything he wants. But there's also that wonderful crying of the Lord's heart saying, come to me. Right? We're right in the middle of that. There's, there's, God is sovereign. Man does have a choice. But for any of us to say it's only this and it's only this, we're right in the middle. God, God, yes, it's saying right here, God chose Abraham. He chose Isaac. He chose uh, Jacob. He chose those people. He didn't choose their brothers. He chose them for his uh, you know, plan of redemption to come about. But that doesn't mean that we should never preach the gospel. You know, some people will get into that weird, guys, settle that in your heart. God is God. He's going to do what he wants. My job, according to the Great Commission, is to go out and preach the gospel. Do whatever. Make disciples of all nations. Cool. Awesome. Then move forward in your life. So many people just sit there in the circle, right? You, anybody done a donut in your car, right? They're just sitting doing this, burning the tires up, right? Wasting their time, wasting their resources, spinning around trying to prove they're right or wrong. Just settle in your heart. I don't know. God's ways are higher than mine. His thoughts are higher than mine. I'm just going to trust him. I'm going to do what he says. I think we're going to be all, all be much better off if we do that. There's a proper place, so we may not be able to uh, you know, reconcile some of these things, but that we may not understand. First Corinthians uh, thirteen twelve describes this great uh, for us, and 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 maybe will give us some answers. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. Like there's going to be a time where we where we understand things. When we're in the presence of the Lord, we're not going to be there and like, see, I knew you were wrong. Right? We're not going to be looking at God saying that at all. We're going to go, this is a, I, I, in awe of God, speechless, right? You know, I, I can only imagine. Am I going to say a word? Am I going to, what's, what's going to happen? I don't know. But I can pretty much guarantee uh, that none of us are going to be there like, all right, God, I got this list. Let's, let's take care of this. You got some explaining to do. You know, that's not how it works. But we know that God is good, that God is merciful, God is gracious. God calls for the lost to be found, right? So don't get caught up with, you know, somebody who's claiming to be a, uh, a Calvinist, tell them they're wrong. I mean, <clears throat> sorry, uh, right? Consider David. David was facing punishment for sin, uh, the sin of uh, going uh, against God's word and uh, carried out a census. And the Lord said, well, I'll give you a choice of your punishment. And... Uh, you know, he could have had seven years of famine. He could have fallen into the hands of, of men to face God's correction. Or he can face God's punishment. What do, you, what do you want? And David's answer was this. David said to Gad, the prophet that would speak to him, 2 Samuel 24, 14, I am in great distress. Great dis, sorry, Great distress. Please let us fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great. But do not let me fall into the hand of man. We're always going to be better off in God's hand over a man's hand. You know, where there's a choice, ah, no, God is merciful. Understand that about the Lord. 
You know, you may have many uh, of your Calvinist friends that will say, Oh, our mercy, what, what is this all about and everything? The Bible teaches it clearly. God does what he wants. He's not accountable to us. But he loves us and he calls us by his grace and his mercy. Verse 20, But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, Why have you made me like this? Does not the potter have power over the clay for the same lump, from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? What if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? It's a powerful line right there. And that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had prepared beforehand for glory, remember, uh, just prepared, uh, prepared uh, beforehand for glory. So remember, God is the creator. Just as the potter has the creative sovereignty over uh, the clay, so does God over his plan. You know, let, uh, you know it's, uh, it's, it's kind of one of those where uh, when, when you look here, the wicked, those, where it says, um, what if God wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering, right? That's that's God enduring with much with patience, right? Long, there's a lot of patience here that that uh, with much long suffering, the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, and that He might make known the riches of His glory on the vessels of mercy. We talked about you know for God uh, when we were in Romans eight, God foreknew, and why would you bet on a losing horse if you already know the outcome, right? If somebody's playing the tape for you and you're going to go say, hey, you know what? Yeah, I, I don't know those things uh, here. Uh, I'm going to act like I didn't see that. And I'm going to bet on horse three instead of horse four that won it. You know, those things. You know, God in his foreknowledge, he knew these things that were going to happen. God sees everything. Uh, he exists outside of time, space, and matter. He's not limited like we are. Uh, so he can see the beginning to the end. And he spoke of that. We studied that last week. He speaks of that all through the scripture. That you know, when, when he can say that uh, and he can describe things as they are because they are as they are in front of him. And we don't see them there yet. We don't see those. That's why prophecy Prophecy is 100% accurate. If a prophecy isn't, isn't accurate, somebody says, thus says the Lord, and this doesn't happen, according to the scripture, that prophet should be killed. They're a false prophet. They misrepresented the Lord. But when God knows, he can see the beginning to the end, we can trust in what he's saying and know that he's the one in, in control. He can do as he pleases. Just like a potter can make a, you know, a, a pot for spittoon or something if they want, and uh, they can make one for a fine display. He's not obligated to show us you know, one bit of what he's doing. He's not obligated to show us any of his mercy. Now, God's not accountable to us. We just have to remember, who is God? What is his character? Love, mercy, grace, justice. That's our God. Right, So if we're reading uh, something or someone brings something up like that, you can go, wait a minute, let, uh, let me think about the character of God. That doesn't line up with what the word, word of God says and his character, what I know. <clears throat> we don't have to question God's character. Verse 22 mentions God enduring the long-suffering of the vessels. You could consider that nations uh, of wrath prepared for destruction. Isaiah, you know, reading through the Old Testament prophets or uh, things that you can see that uh, God was going to use other nations to correct Israel. He's going to use them. doesn't mean that they're in right standing with him. God just says, I'm going to use them to teach Israel a lesson. 
And you'll see that in the scriptures also. He used wicked nations to accomplish his will in punishing and correcting Israel. You can just read through Old Testament. We can see how things like that have happened in our lives probably. Right? That God has used things that in, in ungodly people or ungodly things to teach us lessons. Not that we should be seeking their counsel, right? Psalm 1 is very clear on that. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. That's not just ungodly counsel. The counsel of somebody who is ungodly is what it's talking about. He should, uh, But his delight is in the law of the Lord. and In, uh, in his law, he meditates day and night. Right. That's where it's going to be. They're going to be like the tree planted by the rivers of water. They're going to be blessed. Right. Psalm one. Go back. Read it. Memorize. It's an awesome one. Verse 24. Even us whom he called, not of the Jews only, but also the Gentiles, as he says also in Hosea, I will call them my people who are who were not my people and uh, her beloved who was not beloved. And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there, uh, there they shall be called sons of the living God. So uh, when, when uh, Paul, what Paul is saying here is it wasn't just only about the Jews, it's about the Gentiles also. Non-Jews. So anybody here uh, who is not Jewish, uh, we could all raise our hand. I'm not Jewish. I, I didn't convert to Judaism, and I was, I'm, 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 I'm like 100% French. Both my parents from the county, and you know they all talk like this, eh? You know that's just how it is, right? I'm just not Jewish. I'm French, right? My kids are French, you know, and whatever you know Jen's history was, right? But you know, I can I can look and go, you know, I'm a seer and a woolette, you know, I'm all French. But he's saying here, uh, not of the Jews only, but also, uh, but also of the Gentiles. So it's not just the Jews. Jew first, and also to the Greek, right? Romans uh, 1 tells us that, right? Salvation to the Jews, it was presented to the Jews first, and then also to the Greeks. What he's doing here, what he, it, it, when he's uh, quoting these two scriptures, he's quoting Hosea 1, chapter 10, and Hosea 2, verse 3. When he's uh, saying these things. So if you're wondering where, where he's talking from. Isaiah 49 verse 6 says, Indeed, he says, It is too small a thing that you should uh, you should be my servant to raise up uh, the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you shall be you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. He's speaking of this of the coming Messiah. Not just to Israel, but also to the Gentiles. We're going to dive right into that here in the next couple chapters and, and explaining how that all comes. And so it's kind of building up to that. You know, we, uh, for reference, uh, we, we have these things, but this is all Paul just writing these things out. Isaiah verse 27 says, Isaiah cries out concerning Israel. Though the number of the children of Israel... be as the sand of the sea, uh, the remnant will be saved. For he will finish the work and cut it short uh, in righteousness because the Lord will make a short work upon the earth. And as Isaiah said before, unless the Lord of Sabaoth uh, had left us a seed, we would have become like Sodom and we would have been, been made like Gomorrah. So he's quoting Isaiah chapters uh, 1 and 10 there. So Now, uh, he's talking about a remnant being left. And he, he said, and unless the Lord had done that, we would have become like Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah? You can go back and read that in Genesis. They were both utterly destroyed by the Lord. There was, there was no remnant left. 
right? But so he said, we could have been like them, but God has given us a remnant left, right? Judah and Israel deserve the same, and so do we. That that same judgment of God, but God's mercy is the buffer between. You know, when when we look on what we deserve and and who is God, we deserve His punishment. We deserve those things, but God's mercy and grace. Uh, when we stand in those, where God would graciously, um, as He's making a short work, uh, that He would uh, also um, leave a seed that that there would be a remnant left. He's gracious and merciful. Verse thirty. What shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith. But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, had not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were, by the works of of the law. For they stumbled at the stumbling stone, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Speaking of Jesus Christ. So the Gentiles, Paul is saying here, they weren't pursuing God's righteousness, but they attained it. And those that, that by the law and by their works were, attain, were, were striving for righteousness, they didn't attain it. So if you look at that, why? You know, what's the answer there? It's grace. It's not works, it's grace. They didn't seek it by faith. They were trying in their own strength to do what they needed to do to obtain salvation, to obtain eternal life, to obtain righteousness, it says, right? Righteousness in, you know, in God's eyes. Why not? Because they stumbled at the stumbling stone, Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1, verses 22 and 23 say, For the Jews request a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, to the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness. Jesus is a stumbling block. They can't get past Jesus Christ. He's the one that they stumbled on. The scriptures said they would, and they did. And then Paul points it out as he's writing to the Corinthians also. Here in Romans and also in the church in Corinth. He's a stumbling block. Jesus Christ is the difference between attaining righteousness and not. There's one way to attain righteousness, and it's through Jesus Christ. By grace, through faith in him, right? We read that in... um, Romans 5, therefore, having been justified by, uh, by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We've, we've obtained righteousness with God through faith in Christ. That's the only way to attain righteousness. If we're confusing ourselves or if we're deceiving ourselves that my good is going to outweigh my bad and God's going to somehow look at me and go, ah, you know, 51, 49, you just made it, kid. That's not how it is at all. Every single one of us, it's like zero and a hundred, right? It's one way or the other, and that's how God looks at us. We do get rewarded for, for the good deeds that we do, but it's you know salvation is not rested upon that. We are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast, right? Because we would boast. That's the problem. So there's a choice to fall upon the stone or be broken, right? You may remember, know where I'm going with that or the stone can fall on you and grind you to powder. The leaders of Israel that led the nation uh, uh, were rejecting the chief cornerstone. And Jesus said this to them in Matthew 21, verses 42 through 45. 
Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, according to Psalm 118? This was the Lord's doing, and it's, and it's marvelous, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Have you ever heard that, Jesus said? Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken. But on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. Now when the chief priests and Pharisees heard this parable, they perceived that he was speaking of them. He was speaking of them. He's saying when you come to Jesus Christ, you can either fall broken upon the rock and cry out for God's mercy, or the rock can fall upon you and grind you to powder. Jesus is like, you got a choice. What do you want to do? He presents that to him, and they're like, I think he's talking about us. Yeah, <laughs> good job. Good job. You get a star for the day. He's talking about you. But he was, he was correcting them. Understand, that we, we just went through that whole chapter. God used Israel to complete his redemptive plan. He calls all, Jew and Gentile, we just covered that also, to life in Christ. Israel rejected Christ, and right now they still do. But his work still continues through uh, you know what happened through his plan in Israel. God will come back. That don't don't. There is a teaching that Israel has been replaced by by the church. That is not not the truth at all. God will, and we're going to get into that. There's a grafting in and a graft and, and a removing and grafting that we're going to talk about here soon, as we study here in, in chapters ten and eleven. But God works all things according to His will and purposes. We don't have to work. God, you got everything under control here because this looks out of control here. Like this, no, God's like, I got it, I got it. You know, you need to go focus on taking out the trash, okay, right? So just understand, he is trustworthy. We can trust him to work out his will. The fact that he might use men and women, be merciful to us and still love us and call us to repentance and a relationship with him um, is cause for great celebration and rejoicing. We can look at all this and go, God has, you know, his ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than ours. I just, I'm called to trust him and walk with him. That's all. That's all. Guys, we don't have to figure everything out. God's got it all figured out. He's a trustworthy one. He's the one that we can rest easy knowing we belong to him, that he's working things according to his plan. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we so thank you that, that you uh, work, that you are God and that we are not. Help us to realize that every moment, Lord. Help us, especially if we are in our rebellious hearts, uh, trying to take control of things that we should just be submitting to you. Lord, if we, if we have questions, help us to come to you. You're not running from any of those things. You'll answer them all. Help us to trust you, to trust that your ways and your thoughts are much higher than ours, that you are the one that's trustworthy. There's nothing you've done or said that we can't trust. We tend to trust in what we can see and, and maybe even touch, Lord, but help us to trust in you, the one that loves us, that called us. Lord, to see a redemptive plan where we can see it now, Lord. We have the, the complete Bible and we can read from cover to cover and understand you, understand your ways so much better. Help us to. Give us a clear understanding. Help us to walk with you in confidence, trusting you, and uh, just laying our, our lives down in front of you, Lord. 
Help us to be obedient and not reject you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you guys can